again and welcome back to week two of my Miike May Love Fest. Now, this episode is going to be another kind of, sort of, shortish one because with these Miike films, I, I just don't want to give away any spoilers. And I know uh, the one we're going to talk about today, or the one I'm going to talk about today, is actually been out a while. This this film in particular is actually 20 years old this year. I just don't want to give away too much because for the five or six people on the planet, maybe who've never seen these fucking films, it gives you time to go and watch them without me spoiling the endings or giving away too much. So I like keeping these short and sweet. I just wanted to gab about it a little bit and maybe get your mouth a little salivated to go and watch these films if you haven't watched a lot of Miike films. So without further ado, I gave some clues on my last episode. Uh, The film I'm going to be talking about today is One Miss Call. Now this film came out in 2003. It is currently streaming on my boyfriend Tubi. Good old Tubes. I feel like I haven't talked about Tubi in a while, but Tubi is a free streaming service and they have lots of movies. They have a lot of Me K films on that platform and it is also on Hulu and Amazon Prime if you have a premium subscription and if you don't want to see commercials. That's one thing about Tubi. It's free, but if you want it uninterrupted um, and watch it that way, you can go to Hulu and Amazon Prime to see it without any commercials. Me personally, I don't give a fuck about the commercials. It's free. Fuck it. I'm watching it. However, (laughs) I just wanted to shout this one out. In the early 2000s, we saw a lot, and I mean a slew of fucking J-horror films. And I wasn't mad at it because I actually enjoyed seeing horror from a different perspective and from a different culture and what they do with it. Uh, You know, it's, it's different when you watch horror films from different countries because they have different myths and, you know, different things that they consider scary. Uh, So I was kind of uh, overloading on a lot of these movies. And I also was still working at a video store. So, you know, when they came in, I would just kind of pour over them and watch them over and over and over. And uh, there was a bunch of them at the time. We had uh, Ringu, we had uh, Zhuo or The Grudge. We had Jian Gui. I'm probably butchering the fuck out of the Japanese <laughs> titles. Um, and that one also was called The Eye. And then we had Pulse and we had One Miss Call. One Miss Call was right in the thick of all of these crazy and scary J-horror films. And this plot actually revolves around um, a young psychology student, which I think her name was Yumi. And her friends who they start getting a lot of strange voicemails on their cells and cell phones were just becoming the norm for most of us around this time, you know, not everybody had them, but at, at the run, the 2000s, I think everybody had one. And most of them were like those little flip phone, you know, like Nokia or whatever. 
Uh, some of you listening were probably too young to remember those, but you know, they were just like tiny little flip phones and, you know, people started adding charms to it. You had the purchase ring. Yeah. We had the fucking purchase ringtones. That's how fucking old I am. But you know, you pay 99 cents for something that you really liked. Um, at the time that I watched this film, it's got a particular creepy little theme song that you hear whenever, uh, they're being plagued by these voicemails. And I actually paid to have the ringtone from one missed call. I'm that much of a fucking nerd. Yeah, I am. And I loved it. I loved it. And I signed it to only the people that I wanted to assign it to. Like, you know, my mom called and it sounds kind of morbid now, but you know, people that I wanted to answer, I would assign that ringtone because I liked hearing it so much when they called. And this is also when you actually talk to people on the phone as opposed to text. I'm just telling y'all right now, any motherfucker calls me that I don't fucking know you because everybody knows I don't like to fucking talk on the fucking phone. So fucking text me, even my kids fucking text me, dude, whatever you, <laughs> my God, whatever you got to say, do it in a goddamn text. Cause I ain't fucking talking to you unless I really, really want to know the details. However, I'm digressing from the story. Uh, cell phones were pretty big and these friends, uh, Yumi and her friends, they start getting these weird voicemail messages. And at that time, it's not unusual, you know, cell phones are new. Somebody might've called the wrong number and left a message. I used to get plenty of those. Whoever had your phone number before you probably didn't tell the people that they changed their phone. And so of course you're getting random messages from different people. You have no idea who the fuck they are. What's creepy about it is the person that would be calling on the phone in this film is actually the, and then it would be a message in the future. So her first friend gets a call and it's two days in the future and we can hear the friend's voice. And then we hear her screaming right there. I know this is fucked. Okay. You get a, get a two day premonition of what sounds like possibly your death. And that's exactly what the fuck happens. We can see the date and we can hear the exact moment that her friend dies and it's creepy. It's fucking creepy as hell. I mean, when I watched this, I was like, okay, I'm never fucking (laughs) going to listen to any of my fucking voicemail messages. Cause what if that shit fucking happens, dude? I don't want it. However, after her friend gets perished, Yumi herself receives a call and she has to figure out what the mystery is behind these calls, what's going on, why are all of her friends dying? And it is fascinating as fuck. I mean, you really get involved in this because you don't want this girl to die. You don't want to see her friends die either. And they get killed in the most fucked up manner (laughs) I've ever seen. Like just horrific fashion. Most of the stuff we see isn't really shown. It really is in your head, kind of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We know that these horrific things are happening, but we really don't see much of it. We see the beginnings of the death and then it kind of cuts away, which at first I thought it was Tubi 
But then I was like, no, Tubi doesn't fucking censor anything. So Takashi Miike actually decided not to go full on gore, which normally he does. And there's still some fucked up scary things. So don't think that I'm making it sound like a fucking PG-13 movie because it absolutely is not the fuck that. I was so riveted when I watched this. And once again, all due to cell phones being an everyday thing amongst everybody, terrifies the hell out of me. Anything that has to do with horror and technology is just so fucking creepy. At least to me, it it still is a, a very creepy thing. This film pretty much ran the gambit of all of our J-horror tropes. You know, we have that protagonist that's racing to the end um, to try to figure it out before that curse actually gets to them and before their time actually runs out. And then we also have um, ghostly apparitions, you know, they stalk our character throughout the film. We also have ghosts scaring people through technology. You know, in The Ring, we watch the videotape. And then, of course, I think it's Samara comes through the TV and then, you know, you're fucking 86. And it's no different with this one. Now we have a fucking cell phone and we have a lot of really cool J-horror type jump scares because they're jump scares, but they're not like our type of jump scares. Um, you know, seeing somebody's body contorted and seeing a, a child peering out of a cabinet, you know, just ghostly white and then seeing all of the long tendrils of hair kind of just spilling out of things and, and you know, coming out from under your feet. Man, I was just like, fuck this shit. I would have thrown that fucking cell phone so far the fuck away from me. Probably wouldn't have used a a real landline phone either. I would have just been like, uh, just fuck all the phones, fuck every phone in the world. But none of that would have mattered because even if you get rid of your phone, which the characters in in this film, they actually go (laughs) to a cell phone place and they throw their phone in a recycle bin and they get a brand new phone with a brand new number makes no fucking never mind. It's a fucking ghost. I mean, bitch, if you got picked, you got picked. Your ass was gone. And that was my thinking. It was like, oh, finally, a fucking movie where people use common sense. Didn't matter if you use common sense. The bitch is still going to get you. But at least they were thinking. They were proactively (laughs) trying to solve the situation the best that they could think of. Didn't matter. So yeah, if this was a real curse, like really fucking real, we'd all be doomed because apparently the ghost is calling the contacts on the phone. Well, shit, nobody on my list, uh, my family would be gone. I think they're the only ones I have in my goddamn phone, (laughs) but you know, they're proactively going through phones and reaching the people on the contact list. So, you know, if you got a lot of fucking friends and they all in your phone, I don't know what to tell you. I feel bad for you, son, because they're going to die. What is creepy is everybody's on their fucking phone nowadays, right? Everybody is on their phone. You might be listening to this goddamn podcast on your phone. We carry that fucking computer brick in our hands every motherfucking where we go. It's like we don't know how to detach from those things. And this is what terrifies me because 
if this were a really real curse, not that I believe in curses, but fuck, if it was, mankind is doomed. Like we just, it's like watching the thing. There's, you ain't coming back from that. We're just done. (laughs) We are fucking done. Like how many of you go to the bathroom with your phone? Like you won't even go to take a dump in peace (laughs) without your goddamn phones. Everybody fucking does it. Like I, I'm in the office and I will not leave my phone on my desk, partially because I have a lot of unsavory things on my phone and I don't want anybody seeing them, but also because I don't like leaving my fucking phone unattached. And I can only fathom what, what this would be like if it wasn't an actual, like I said, we'd be, we'd be doomed at this point. Even the do not disturb, none of that shit would fucking matter because she would still be coming to get you. Now, I went off on a whole tangent about our fucking phones because I'm kind of sick of technology right now, says the woman who is on social media and has a podcast. But this is, uh, this one, I felt like for uh, me, this was more of a tame one that in terms of all the gore that he normally does. And then I really started thinking about a lot of his films. They're not ultra gory. I think they were ultra gory for the time. Now that, you know, I've seen a lot more horror movies, especially the ones that have come out over the last few years, this one doesn't seem extremely hyper-violent by any of his other film standards. But even if you think this might be a little tame for him in terms of gore, it's still fucking scary. It's still a fucking banger, at least in my opinion. Um, I do want to warn you, if you watch this, there might be some stuff in there that's triggering um, to you or to someone who might be watching it with you, because there is, um, a plot that has to deal with alleged child abuse. And, uh, Yumi, our character, she actually went through some of that trauma herself, which is why she is trying to become a psychologist. And I guess in, in the, uh, search to learn why people do bad things and why people do the things that they do. And so that child abuse plot kind of folds into our story. Um, We also have a a scene where someone, once again, allegedly uh, takes their own life. And I don't want to give too much away about that, but I do want to let you know that that is there. I don't want to have anyone having any trauma or backlash because I didn't warn you of that you know, it it might be triggering to some people who may have grown up in an abusive household. So I just wanted to throw that out. But it's not it's not tame um in in the aspect of horror and bringing you a very scary story. He didn't pull any punches with this one. I thought it was one of the better made J horror films at the time cuz some of them I could take or leave. This one for whatever reason and it might just be because of the aspect of technology and cell phones being kind of popular at that point. I thought it was just a clever way to tell a ghost story in a different fashion. Um, what else did I want to say about this? Oh, yeah. So there's a, a lot of wild deaths in this, um, how her friends are are taken out by this this ghost. And... Uh, one in particular made me laugh, and I know that's going to sound morbid as fuck, but it did make me laugh because there was some kind of like little 
inside edition type, you know, tabloid show that was basically hounding her and her roommate. Uh, her roommate was the next to die. And so they decided they were going to help her get rid of the evil spirit. And they were going to perform a live exorcism on TV, no less. And uh, it goes 12 shades of fucked up. I mean, it it's like the worst thing. And it was glorious in its horror. I mean, because it was so inventive and I found myself covering my mouth like, oh my God, what the fuck did I just see? I ate that shit up with a spoon, dog. Like it was an ice cream sundae with the biggest amount of hot fudge and a cherry on top, let me tell you. So I do want to let you know there is a mystery, great little mystery behind the calls. Uh, it has a lot of of scary things going on, but the creep factor is so goddamn high. Like, here I go cursing again like a goddamn sailor. But it's true. The creep factor is chef's fucking kiss. I mean, it's so, so creepy. And normally things don't unnerve me or scare me. This one had me sitting on the edge of my seat like, ooh, fuck. Oh my God. Holy shit. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I did that a lot when I watched this movie. We rewatched these uh, recently, probably like a week or two ago to prepare for this uh, Miike May. And they still slap. I mean, they still give me the fucking creeps. And I thought, well, shit, I'm glad I chose this one because it really is a banger. If it still keeps me kind of creeped out after 20 fucking years, I I absolutely loved it. I really would implore you to take this time to dive into his films because they are just really, really stellar films. I will say as far as J-horror films go, is it the best of the J-horror at that time? No. Is it one of the better ones? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's um trying to think how I always like to wrap it up for you and tell you what I think about this film. It's a part mystery, part horror, and a tiny sprig of final destination because one, the characters get to hear their own death and the demise that, you know, they're they're the way that they hear it and then they kind of shrug it off, you know, at, at the beginning, her friends are like, oh, somebody's pulling a prank. This is some bullshit. And then as they start getting picked off one by one, it's like every time the phone rings and that fucking theme song plays, they're like, fuck, I'm next. <laughs> Why am I next? I don't want to die. Um, but if you take that dash of mystery and that dash of the horror and then like just put a little garnish of that final destination because even at the beginning of the movie i think uh yumi or one of her friends has like a a premonition they drop the premonition part which was fine because i mean the phone call tells you every fucking thing you need to know anyway but it was too goddamn much fun so i would tell you to watch this one this out of all of the miike films i absolutely love this one now This film, unfortunately, because it did so well, spawned a few sequels. They had um, One Miss Call 2, also a One Miss Call uh, 10-episode series in Japan, and they also had One Miss Call Final. None of them 
had any me me had, had nothing to do with any of the sequels so i didn't even bother to watch them i'm like eh, they're probably gonna phone this shit in or it's gonna be a retread of the same bullshit i'm i'm interested but not interested enough to go and watch them maybe i'll do it further down the line when i have absolutely fucking nothing to watch but we also as you know as they are want to do we got an american remake of this film and i think like 2008 and i watched it in this absolute dog shit like don't even it's not even good it's like the white dog shit that you see on somebody's lawn i hate when they remake these only a few have done them well i like the american version of ring and I'm, i don't hate the grudge remake but just leave it the fuck alone it's just it's better to watch them watch the ogs that's for some reason, the vengeful ghost and the type of jump scares that they do, you know, we always got to hype up the music when we get, when we know a fucking jump scare is coming. J-Hard doesn't do that. They just let you naturally feel fucking scared. And I think that you need to do that. The ghost thing doesn't translate that well because, you know, that's part of their culture. And I don't know, it just feels more realistic, even though I know it's a movie and it's fake as fuck. But it comes across better. It translate better. So as far as the woman's call 2008, just skip that mofo, just run right past and go to the actual OG version. Please. I implore you. Don't look at the remake. You're going to be wasting a lot of time and it's going to be, you'll be like, what the fuck did I just watch? I will say I am enjoying doing these because one, I get to refresh and watch these and fall in love with this man all over again. But two, I just want more people to watch the ones that people don't know much about. Now, I am going to wrap this up and say, once again, One Miss Call, 2003. It is on my boyfriend, Tubi. Give my man some love, okay? <laughs> just go to Tubi. You're not going to be disappointed. And hell, if you watch it and you are disappointed and you're like, this movie sucked, just fucking tell me. I got thick skin. I grew up in the South. I've been called worse names than you could possibly imagine. So you telling me you don't like a movie, I'll be like, eh, I tried. Um, but I think you'll love it. That's my personal horror nerd opinion. I think you will love every moment that you are watching the scary-ass, mystery-esque horror from the 2000s, early 2000s. Um, that's going to be it for me. I am trying to keep these short and sweet just because I don't want to spoil too much. The ending will knock you on your ass. I will say that. Didn't see it coming. Should have. Didn't see it coming. And uh, you'll start uh, being creeped out by your voicemails. I can almost guarantee that for you. <laughs> I don't have a real rant or anything. Um, I do want to tell you guys I have some exciting news that I might actually start working from home again with a different company. So, if there's a glee or a glimmer of glee in my voice, it's because I am getting the fuck out of Dodge and I hate being in the goddamn office. I don't know what it is. Toxic, toxic place. Um, but I'm going to keep this kind of not overly sherry, I guess. I just wanted to throw that out there because I'm like so fucking excited right now. I hope you guys are doing well. It is getting hotter by the minute in the fucking South. And I wish that shit would stop, but I know where I live. So can't really complain. I mean, I can complain to you guys, but you know, can't change the weather. I'm not storm, you know, 
wish I could be getting a lot of gray hair. I might be turning that way. But anyway, the next Miike film. Huh, let me see. What kind of clue can I give you about that? Let's see. Uh, it's about a family, a resort, have lots of uh, claymation, lots of musical numbers, a la thriller. It is... Uh, a hodgepodge of all kinds of weird ass shit that my Donna the Dead ass just absolutely loves. And it's one of the ones I really like to upsell to people. And then they usually watch it and look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) So if that gives you any clue um, and you might know what I'm talking about, if you're a fan of his work, then yay. But if you don't, then yay, because I'll be telling you about it next time. And I think, I think that's it. That's all I got. You know, my only rant is, uh, beware those, uh, you up text and those, uh, weird ass voicemails that don't belong to you. And if you happen to hear your death, I mean, get weird with it. Cause you know, you ain't got, but a couple more days to go, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to get morbid on you guys, but please check this film out. Please get back to me. Let me know what you think about it. Let me know what you think about this podcast. Let me know what you think about Miike Mei and what some of your favorite Takashi Miike films are. And um, I'll leave you guys with, until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you then. Bye.